You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yes, happy Halloween. Welcome to Hour 4 of The Big Show live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Yes, a little Rockwell for you on this Halloween. It is the NFL's trade deadline coming up at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. One trade so far. Uh, yesterday, the Seattle Seahawks acquiring defensive lineman Leonard Williams for the New York Giants for a second and a fifth rounder. What else will happen today, if anything? Uh, we'll talk with Matty Marchese right now, host of the Fan Checkdown. You can hear him daily at noon on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matty, thank you so much for joining me. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Are you a big office guy? Uh, a little bit. I've watched a little bit. Go ahead. Because the only thing I could think of when you're talking about radon and if people are worried about it was Michael Scott throwing away all the radon kits because he thought they were anthrax. <laughs> um, that is the that is the perfect the perfect Michael Scott moment among very many others on that show. But sorry to sidetrack you no. guys. This is how my brain works. No, that's fair. I mean, radon is a big, big issue out here in Alberta. It's uh, we're a lo- we're in a zone one. We get a lot of radon here. It's like the second highest leading uh, cause to lung cancer. So it's a big deal. So Doug Lacey's basement systems uh, helping us out there. But yeah, no, that's that's a good callback. Yeah, I, I had to, I had to put that in there because my brain's weird, right? Like it just <laughs> no, it, it works in, in very weird ways. I'm the same way, Maddie. I'm the same way. Uh, how about that Monday nighter? I think you know if that was a a team that Detroit was playing that was probably a, an elite team, maybe a good team. It, they might have uh, you know capitalized on those Lions' mistakes, but the Lions get away with them, and then Jameer Gibbs pops off with his breakout game and putting uh, that stuff we saw at Bama into that NFL tape. Now uh, takeaways from that Lions Raiders game. Yeah, such a weird game because if you had looked at kind of how the game had progressed, you would have thought, well, if the Raiders could have put to put forth any sort of offensive strike they would have been they probably would have won like they couldn't capitalize on the on the turnover in detroit territory garoppolo throws that horrible interception to kirby joseph Mm. and and the detroit lions struggled in the red zone early and you're like okay you know three field goals in a row it's not really going to take much for the raiders to get back in this and they just never could get it going like the fact that jimmy garoppolo did not complete a pass to a wide receiver in the first half, <laughs> when you have Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers on your team, tells you everything you need to know about the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, for Detroit, it was a home game. They get the win. Um, the red zone struggles was kind of what I was concerned about for them yesterday. I understand that they, you know, they got the Laporta touchdown, whatever. They're a really, like, as we kind of bring this full circle, they're a really interesting team to watch right now because I think that they need to go out and get another wide receiver. Like, if they're legit serious, and maybe they make a call to the team they played last night. I've been pushing for that one. Um, To get someone to play alongside Amon Ross St. Brown, because, you know, Josh Reynolds is fine, but he's not not the guy. Jamison Williams has not played up to snuff. He had that really kind of egregious drop, actually, yesterday. And they just don't have enough there in the receiver group that you look at and go, that's an offense that I'm a little scared of, but I'm not completely horrified by. So that I think they're going to be a really interesting team to watch today because they're certainly not afraid to make bold moves. 
looking at you, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Um, and that really paid off. They're going to get David Montgomery back at some point. They can go out and get a legit number two or one A, one B receiver to Amon Ross St. Brown. They're going to be really scary. And that might be a team that you really got to watch for in the NFC. Uh, are there some concerns? Maybe we've been talking about the red zone offense, maybe just a little bit of a struggle there early on, but are there any concerns in the future here with the Detroit Lions? Like I look at the schedule, like they're, they're probably going to win 12, 13 games, but it's like, do you guys, do you, is, are you going to be battle tested enough come postseason? Have you, have you really been through it enough? I just wonder if the schedule is a bit of a concern, but I know you can only play who you, who's put in front of you. Well, they, when you look at the schedule and look at who they've played, like, yes, they beat Kansas City in week one, and that was a super impressive win on the road, Thursday night, whatever. That team was missing Chris Jones. It was missing Travis Kelsey. Yep. Uh, Taylor Swift was also not in the picture. Nope. So, you know, we can make we can make of that what we might. <laughs> but um, I, look at, I look at the game against the Ravens. It was this back-to-back road yeah. games, and you're like, okay. It was, it was concerning a little bit, but you're like, okay, I, you're going to have a bad game. It happens. Sure. But with the performance that they had yesterday, I'm looking at it and going, okay, like maybe we need to take a step back, reevaluate. I think that Detroit Lions, I think, they're, I think they're better than the average NFL team. I think they're among the six best teams in the NFL. Agreed. But the problem is, is like the majority of the NFL right now, I don't know who a lot of teams are. I know there's a lot of mediocrity out there. There's yeah. a lot of backup quarterbacks playing that wouldn't normally be playing, and that also, you know, takes us back to the mediocrity comment. But I look at a lot of teams and I go, I just don't know what they are week to week, and I don't think that that is just a Detroit Lions issue. I think that is an issue across the NFL right now. It's just there are so many teams that can be great one week and they can be horrible the next. Like, we look at the L.A. Rams. One week they look really good, and then they get absolutely slaughtered by the Dallas Cowboys the next week. Like, I mean, you'd never know. The Dallas Cowboys are another great example Mm -hmm. of that. What team is going to show up? So that's where I kind of lie with the Lions. I think they're really good. I think there's a couple of holes that they would like to fill because, I mean, they're not a perfect roster. Every roster has its flaws. And I think that if they get another offensive weapon, it can take a little bit of the pressure off of the defense because it improves your numbers across the board. And then the defense can kind of get after it like they did yesterday against that porous offensive line for the Raiders. What do we make of uh, of Devontae Adams and his frustrations? You saw the helmet slam, missing him wide open. Uh, you know, as a Packers fan, it obviously pains me to see him struggle the way he is out there in Vegas. But it's also like, hey, this is this is what you wanted, man. Green Bay offered you a lot of more money to come and stay there and help whatever that. I get why he left. He didn't know what was happening at the quarterback position. But hey, you're now with the Raiders, and this seems like an organization that it doesn't matter who goes there. Players just end up leaving them with a sour, with a, with a rough taste in their mouth when the, once everything's said and done. Well, the interesting thing is he went there to play with Derek Carr. Exactly. Right? His, his Fresno his State ball. Yeah. yeah, and now it's like, well, Derek Carr's not here. Who's this handsome man throwing <laughs> me the football or throwing it to the other team in this game? Um, I, I can't see, like... If Devontae Adams is not traded by the Las Vegas Raiders, and I've been using this a lot lately, and I feel like this is going on across the league, that is business malpractice. That is bad asset management. They teach courses on this in university and college. (laughs) You have a distressed asset. You better get something for it before you can get nothing for it. And so Devontae Adams still carries a lot of value across the NFL because we've seen what he can do. 
We've seen what he can do with bad quarterback play. And so yesterday was, for me, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back at this point. Because I can't imagine that he's healthy. He's, he's happy. He's not getting 12, 13 targets a week like he was in Green Bay. Get him out of there. Get what you can for him. It's going to make you worse, which is fine, because then your record will show that, and you will have a better chance at drafting a quarterback, which you desperately need if you're the Raiders. Um, Josh McDaniels is coaching for his job right now, yeah. in my opinion. I can't imagine that Josh McDaniels is the coach by the end of like you know the hiring cycle. I imagine he's done by the end of the year. And if that's the case, why are you going to keep Devontae Adams around? Get rid of him. Get maybe a young player in return or some picks and kind of reset yourself here because it's just not working. And I understand Devontae Adams' frustration because he is one of the best receivers in the NFL. That's not a question. So if you say that you want to win games, well, you win games by getting your best player the ball. We saw what happened in Dallas when you get C.D. Lamb the ball 12 times. He goes for 158, two touchdowns, and you win comfortably against the Rams. These are things that you can do. How they have not been able to scheme Devontae Adams open for Josh McDaniels, who will speed his offensive genius, I don't get it. So if I'm Devontae Adams and I'm going to my agent, I'm saying, you better ask me, ask to get me out of here because I do not want to be here anymore. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I would probably be one of the well, – oh, yeah, McCaffrey moved last year at the deadline. So, yeah, me, me, maybe another big – weapon on the move uh, in Devontae Adams. Uh, how about these Philadelphia Eagles? You've mentioned it on your show. Uh, they pile up the wins right now. They're stacking them up as the sched gets harder and harder as we get into November and December. But man, this defense, ugh, I feel like it's a little, leaving a little bit to be desired here with this Philadelphia Eagles group, despite what that offense can do. It really has. And I mean, that's what happens when you're, when you have such a changeover on that side of the ball. I think they, They had seven new starters on defense. Their linebacker group is not great. Um, So it's not like like they are, you know, this wonderful defense with a great linebacker core and secondary. They're banged up in the secondary position. Their linebacker group is not good. The the difference is is that that front four is excellent. Jalen Carter has been a monster, as everyone kind of expected he would be. Uh, way better than advertised. They've got so much depth with that front four that they can kind of get away with having a weaker secondary, but they're giving up points, a ton of points to the Washington Commanders. Yeah. I mean, that's twice this year that they've done that. Mm-hmm. And so I look at Philadelphia and I say, we're going to really see what they're made of when they go up against really high-powered offenses and defenses that are a lot better than what they've been playing against. Because as many points as Washington can put up, their defense has struggled mightily. For a team with that much talent, they've struggled mightily. So, I don't know if we've... I think we've learned a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think we're going to know the full story over the course of the next four weeks, five weeks, when the schedule is tougher. That's when we're going to know how many contenders there are. Like, I look at... You know, I talked about the mediocrity earlier. Even the elite teams have their warts. The Kansas City Chiefs just lost to the Denver Broncos of all teams. Uh-huh. He had, you know, about 70 points earlier this year. Um, the Eagles are stacking up wins, but they're like, 
they've had a few dominant wins, but not as many as we thought based mm-hmm. on the schedule. So those are the two teams you had at the top. Then you can look at, you know, what are the Niners now? They look very vulnerable. Uh, are the Bears coming back to life again? Uh, what are the Dolphins? Like, there's a lot of questions, and I think we're going to learn a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles very shortly. Yeah, we could find out as soon as this Sunday as they welcome in uh, their arch rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. You mentioned a little bit, kind of like that, Detroit Lion conversation like what are these guys they, they've should they've got a lot of talent they've got a lot of good players everywhere they can score on you as we just saw this past weekend with the Dallas Cowboys they can beat you in three different ways what do we make of this Cowboys team they can beat the lesser lights but they've struggled you know against the San Francisco 49ers and they've struggled against bigger teams in the past but this is a big spot for Dak Prescott CeeDee Lamb Mike McCarthy you go into Philadelphia you get a win there that's a big one. Like, if they if they can go and get a win against the Eagles, I think that changes the conversation. Here's what they're going to have to do. And they were able to do this against the Rams, and it's something that we've criticized the Cowboys for basically all season, and that is you got to push the ball down the field. Oh, yeah. you gotta, you got to use guys like Brandon Cooks. You've got to get C.D. Lamb down the field. Get Michael Gallup involved. Um, and, and they did that against the Rams. It's just they haven't done that basically all season, and that's been, that's been a big problem for them so far. I, I do wonder if, they can, if their offensive line can hold up against that Eagles pass mm-hmm. rush, then I think we can have a conversation about them getting the ball downfield against that banged-up secondary that the Eagles have. I, just, I, I think the Cowboys... Their defense, for whatever reason, they started out with their hair on fire. They were incredible. But then after that, it kind of slowed down a little bit, and we saw, you know, a a not-so-great game against the Cardinals. And and there have been games where you look at them and go, man, this, you know, ever since they lost Trevon Diggs, it's been a a little bit left to be desired here. I feel like, you know, they came out after the bye, and they've kind of reset themselves, and I think they're in a really good spot. Like, I, I believe that... Dallas is, I think they're one of the better teams if they can just put it together. Because it's certainly not an issue of talent. I think a lot of it is coaching. Uh, But they don't really seem to put together those, you know, the really good offensive effort with the really good defensive effort, aside from last week against the Rams. So I think this is going to be a a wonderful game to watch. I know that, generally speaking, when we have these games, we're sometimes disappointed, but I don't think that's going to happen this time around. Uh, what do we make of this 49er group? Uh, three in a row now they've dropped. Brock Purdy had the concussion uh, pop up on Wednesday, the symptoms, and he's playing on Sunday. I, is this case of he was getting too much praise for when the Niners were rolling and they were healthy, and now he's getting too much blame for now that the team isn't as healthy? So it's funny because I saw a stat, and I, it was from uh, Pro Football Focus, and I was completely stunned by this. I, I believe it was that Brock Purdy is among the five worst quarterbacks in terms of, like, interception-worthy throws. Which, okay. to me, for, for a guy that we've talked a lot about taking care of the football and, hey, he's, you know, he's been really good at that. And, hey, he didn't throw any interceptions until three weeks ago, basically. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we need to take a look at the tape a little bit more yeah. and look and say, well, how many of these throws are actually that good? Because I think if we dig a little bit deeper, the praise may have been or should have been more for 
Kyle Shanahan and how he's scheming his offense with his quarterback rather than, you know, always, always, always the play of Brock Purdy. So I think that's part of this conversation here. Um, but the Niners, you know, I know losing Trent Williams is a big deal. I'm pretty sure Fred Warner's banged up, and we know Dre Greenlaw's banged up. Mm. The loss of Debo Samuel for that offense has gone way more unnoticed, or at least up until, I think, this past week, more unnoticed than it probably should have. And I'm guilty of it as well. I'm like, yeah, Debo Samuel, like, they use him all over the field. Okay, great, that's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. But he's another guy that you have to account for, and he's another guy that they can use in different ways that changes how a defense looks at a guy like Christian McCaffrey or a guy like Brandon Ayuk or a guy like George Kittle. So I think that what we've seen is Brock Purdy really struggles with no Debo Samuel in the lineup. Now, here's the other thing, and I don't know the time code on this, but I'm pretty sure it was the case. Brock Purdy hit his head hard on the turf. With flashback, hit his head hard, grabbed his helmet with his head in it, barely, and I believe after that he threw two more interceptions. So that's the second time. Now, a guy who, you know, as you mentioned, cleared concussion protocol after going in late, then hits his head and nobody sees that and takes him out of the game. Yeah. Like, there's a conversation for how healthy is Brock Purdy right now as well. Like, that's a that's a big deal. And after after we talked about the whole Tua thing last year and how frightening that was, mm-hmm. Brock Purdy stayed in that game after grabbing his head, after hitting his head hard on the turf. Like, something's got to be done about that. Because guys have been taken out of the game for way less than that. Oh, yeah. And they don't clear concussion protocol right away. This guy literally, and I hate when people say minor concussion. It's no a such brain thing. injury. It's a brain injury. Just, Those do not exist. Just had a 19-year-old so, junior hockey player retire because he's got a 22-millimeter lesion on his brain because of it, and he's sick of the, the yeah. fighting. So, yeah, tell me yeah. about minor brain injury. Yeah, there's, there's no such thing. Anything involving the brain is major. I don't care what anybody says. So that's why I, I wonder how much of that plays into the conversation, too. But as a whole, like, you know, not to stray too far away from the conversation, but the Niners, their defense has not been yeah. as – as dominant as it was. Nick Bosa has three sacks all year wow. after getting paid a ton of money. So I I think that the, the Niners are going to be very active today. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of cap space to play with. They can bring in guys who don't have term on their deals. And, I mean, it's all dependent on what you want to pay, of course. But I think they're going to be in the market for a corner. Uh, Jalen Johnson from the Bears has asked for a trade. Uh, unsurprisingly, and whether the Bears want to trade him or not, that's a different conversation. But I think that the the Niners are going to be in the corner market for sure. Yeah, John Lynch definitely not afraid to uh, to go out there and, and use a good use trade draft picks whatever on this day. Did it with uh, getting McCaffrey last year. Um, are we, we like the Niners find themselves in second place now? They're heading into the bye. Are we not giving enough love to the Seattle Seahawks? We're not paying enough attention to this Seattle Seahawks team. Pete Carroll and Geno Smith keep racking up the wins. It's funny because they're they're five and two, and that might be one of the more curious five and two right? that I've seen. I think they've had they've had games where they've looked dreadful and still won. Um, I mean, the addition of Leonard Williams will go a long way. That's a big big yeah, add for that, that front seven. But they've just been like Geno Smith hasn't been as good as he was last year. They've turned the ball over line. I I really thought that this offense 
with the additions of Jackson Smith and Jigba and with the addition of Zach Charbonnet would have been, you know, a really formidable offense, one that, you know, would rival among the best in the NFL with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Kenneth Walker already there. But we just haven't seen that, that dominance from them, really. And that's been the thing that I think has been the most surprising. They're 5-2 and two leading the division, and I think there's a lot of room for improvement, which means that could be arrows up for Seattle. Like, yeah. they have, they're going to have a, a weaker schedule than the Niners going forward, and they're going to be a, a team to watch here. I, I had them in the playoffs. I certainly didn't think they were going to win the division. But with the struggles that we've seen the Niners have over the last three weeks, they are very much in the conversation not only for the division, but let's be real here. The way things are going, the Eagles' schedule going forward, they could be in the conversation for the conference as well. Yeah, Seahawks-Eagles play December 17th. That should be a fun one. That could be a real big game for the playoff <laughs> Oh, my wow. goodness. That will be good. Uh, f- a few more with you, Matty. Uh, host uh, Matt Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, there's four teams at 6-2 and two in the AFC. Kansas City, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami. Who has been the most impressive amongst that group? Hmm. So it's, it's interesting because the automatic answer usually for people is, well, Kansas City. But they haven't, to me, outside of, you know, they, they had the big win over the Chargers where the offense was really going. But then you look at it and go, well, the Chargers defense is horrible. So maybe it's not so impressive. They barely squeak out a win against Denver a, a few weeks ago. And then they lose to Denver. And that game you're like, that, that looks bad. There's Taylor Swift jokes to be made all, all times, <laughs> and they need to shake it off, and they, whatever. Yeah. But for me, it's the Baltimore Ravens, mm. because for the first couple of weeks, their O-line was depleted. They lost J.K. Dobbins. They've been doing this on Lamar Jackson playing at an MVP level, and their defense playing, you know, very elite defense. Um, that game against the Cardinals was not super impressive, but they still managed to get a win. And when we look at the score line, it's like, okay, well, Arizona scored late. Was it really that close of a game? In the second half, no. The offense has moved the ball really well with Todd Munkin. They actually, surprisingly, in the first half, they tried to stray away from the run, which was you know, kind of mind-boggling to me considering how bad Arizona's been against opposing running backs. But they made a commitment to throw the football, and they've done a pretty decent job. Like, that's another team that I look at and say, if they could go out, maybe get a running back, maybe get a receiver that's not Odell Beckham Jr. or Rashad Bateman, the defense is good enough. And the offense, and it it seems to be the question with the Baltimore Ravens almost every year, can they stay healthy? Can they keep the quarterback upright? Can they keep him in the game? And if they can do those things, and I know that's a tall task in the NFL to stay healthy, but for me it's been the Ravens because I think a lot of people were down on the Ravens coming into this year. I think they thought, well, maybe the offense is going to be okay with Todd Munkin, but you know, how good is Lamar Jackson going to be? Well, Lamar Jackson's been really good. Todd Munkin's been a great fit. Zay Flowers has been really good. Mark Andrews has come back to life again. I don't know. I think the Ravens, for me, at 6-2 and two are really impressive. Um, and honorable mention to the Jaguars because yes. I really didn't think that they were – I thought they were good, but I didn't think they were 6-2 and two good. There was a conversation at one point about, are the Houston Texans going to be challenging the, the Jaguars for the division mm-hmm. because of how well Houston had played and Jacksonville kind of leveled off a little bit. A, a 
good win for Jacksonville in horrible conditions yes. against the, the Steelers on the road. They've won five in a row. Jacksonville's sneaky good, and I'm not certain. And I and Trevor Lawrence has been good, but he hasn't been great yet. Like, he's had some moments, but he certainly hasn't had the year that, like, a Lamar Jackson has had or that Tua has had. But Trevor Lawrence has got a lot of growth in his game still. They're a team to watch. Like, I wouldn't necessarily want to play them in the playoffs, especially the way that they've been running the ball with Travis Etienne. Last one for you, Matty. Uh, the Bills, uh, they get away you know, with a, with a close one against Tampa Bay. They're getting ready for what will, I'm sure will be an emotional night, whether or not DeMar Hamlin plays in Cincinnati is another thing. But they just added, added Leonard Fournette, playoff Lanny. Spark that they needed for this run game. Is, is Fournette the guy that can put them over the, the top offensively? Or what do we think with this Bills group? I, the Leonard Fournette thing to me screams we're not super comfortable with Latavius Murray, even though he's been okay. And it speaks more to Damian Harris is probably going to be out yeah. longer than they had anticipated, right? So I think it's I think it's a little bit of insurance. It's a guy who has proven himself at the NFL level. We know how good he's been in previous playoff runs, uh, you know, with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so. I look at it and say it's a depth move. It doesn't cost them very much, especially for a team that is cash-strapped with the cap. And that's why I think it's, it's good. This is going to be a test for the Buffalo Bills because the Bengals are playing really well right now. Joe Burrow is much healthier, as you noticed, by his 43 rushing yards on Sunday. The cap looks fine, thank you very much. And I, I wonder about the Bills' defense and if they can show up because – I mean, to say that they showed up against Tampa Bay in a game that really Chris Godwin probably should catch that ball in the end zone, and we're having a conversation about the Bills with a much different record than what they have right now. So that's part of it. Um, The offense, you know, somebody brought this up to me, and I thought it was a really interesting point. Josh Allen plays as good as the quarterback that he's going up against. And that's kind of been the case. We've seen him go shot for shot with Joe Burrow in the past. We've seen him go shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes in the past, you know, among the two best quarterbacks in the league right now. And so I think we saw a glimpse of Josh Allen get that swagger back against the Buccaneers. Again, Buccaneers secondary gives up a lot of points. Um, they get up a lot of passing yards. I thought the Bills offense moved the ball really well. They were committed to the run, and they got other people outside of Stephon Diggs involved. Yeah. Um, they shortened their rotation, really. Four guys made all their catches. Like, for the most part, outside of a couple, maybe one from Latavius Murray, one from James Cook. But it was Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, and Khalil Shakir. And I wonder if, in a roundabout way, the loss of Dawson Knox was a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Not because Dawson Knox is not a good player, because I think he's a really good player. But it allows them to incorporate Dalton Kincaid more in the offense. It allows them to run three wide receiver sets more often. And it allows you, with those three wide receiver sets, to bring the speed that you have on the field. And that totally changes how defenses play against you. It opens up your running game a little bit, and, and it allows guys you know, like James Cook, like Latavius Moran, and maybe like Leonard Fournette, to open up some running room mm-hmm. for them. And that's what makes a good offense. So as much as I like Dawson Knox and what he brings to the offense, he's not a full-time player for what the Bills are trying to do. Dalton Kincaid is that guy. As we've seen, you know, the last two games, he's been great. That's why you drafted him in the first round. So I I think that this offense is 
going it's going to hit its stride here a little bit. But it's not an easy test. The Bengals' defense has been really good. The Bengals' defense is the main reason why they are where they are right now in the standings because they were able to keep the Bengals in games when Joe Burrow was mm-hmm. not at 100% and not playing well. So a big test coming up here for the Bills. I think it's going to be a really good game. Maddie, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully there's some action around the deadline, and you guys can talk about that at noon Calgary time, and we'll do this again very soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. There's Matt Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown. You can listen to him and Donovan Bennett coming up at noon on the on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, as it's the NFL trade deadline coming your way at 2 p.m. Mentioned Jalen Johnson. The uh, Bears corner has requested a trade, whether or not Chicago moves him. We'll see, but the Bills and Niners are both interested in his uh, in his uh, services. Uh, the thing with Devontae Adams and why it's 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 almost impossible to to see him being traded. Uh, I mean, if a team's desperate enough to trade multiple draft picks for him this late in the season, sure. Uh, but it's going to cost the Raiders thirty four and thirty one point four million dollars in dead cap. Uh, if they moved uh, along from Devontae Adams, uh, instead, you know, probably bring him back, play his last play next year, which is technically his last real year of his contract, uh, 25 and 26, are essentially just throwaways. Then you could probably make a, a deal next off season, but uh, we'll see. It's just so hard to, to move some of these contracts because of how they're structured in the NFL. And that's why you don't see a lot of big trades. It's, it's really got to be a perfect storm, either player at the end of a rookie contract that needs a second contract. You know, Christian McCaffrey was, was in a similar vein like that when he got traded out of Carolina to San Francisco last season. So, uh, it'll be tough for the Raiders to move on from Devonte Adams. Uh, and obviously that's not probably what Devonte Adams wants to hear. Um, but it's likely he's probably not going to be traded, but who knows? Uh, two o'clock Calgary time is the NFL's trade deadline.